When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Hey, Jets fans, want $50 off your next round of drinks? Try Tap RM. They deliver the drinks right to your door so you can skip the lines and trips to the liquor store. Discover new and exclusive drinks or shop for your favorites. Don't worry, they've got all the options for you. Order your first round at taprm.com and get $50 off your first order using promo code JETS50. $50 off $100 of beer, not a bad deal. I would highly recommend it. I've done it. Connor's done it. Joe's got it. So make sure you go to taprm.com, use promo code JETS50, skip the lines and get $50 off your first $100 worth of beer. $100 in beer for $50. Can't beat that. Now let's get into the pod. Setting up, looking downfield. He's going to heave a bomb for Corey Davis at the goal line. Into the end zone. He's got it. That's a Jet touchdown. select Zach Wilson, quarterback, BYU. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Turn the Jets podcast. I'm your host, Will Parkinson, at WillPod11 on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Joined by my uh, my good friend, my my roommate down at the Senior Bowl, DJ Bianami, the Daily News. DJ, how you doing today? I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good. You know, right now I'm just, you know, salivating over Drake London. Yeah, you know, Drake London, uh, Drake London, my wide receiver one. Um, so, you know, I'm, we're going to get into Drake London a little bit. Um, me and DJ were down at the Senior Bowl along with, you know, most of the Jets beat and some and Connor as well so from a Jets perspective. So there's been a lot of uh, a lot of content put out, obviously, over the last couple of days. And Jets being down there, um, I thought they did a really good job of bringing true energy and running a good practice, um, something that I didn't get that wall Jets vibe from anybody nationally that I was kind of expecting sometimes, you know, I, I do stuff and people go, oh, you cover the Jets. Great. And it's like, you know, they kind of give you a look this, that didn't happen this week. So um, I thought that was a big positive. What were your, you know, initial takeaways from, I guess, you know, the way the Jets handled the senior bowl week, um, how invested they were, you know, wanting to be there and um, kind of the senior bowl as a whole. Um, from, you know, that angle, to be honest, uh, how they organized practice and stuff, it was fine, but that doesn't really move me. I don't really care. Like, People talking about, oh, you know, the Jets ran a good practice. They're an NFL team. That should be kind of like a requirement, you know what I mean? Like, really, like, they the practices were fine um, for them. They cared way more about the meetings. That was significantly more important, how players and prospects interacted in the film room, the actual meetings, interviews, what type of notes they were taking, what type of questions they were asking, 
um, I'm not gonna say which jet coach mentioned it, um, but one coach gave me a scenario where, you know, he, he stopped by a room and one guy, he, he didn't give me the person's name, but he like, one guy was asking a question. Um, and then like, he kind of gave like a, a smart aleck type of like response, like trying to butter up the coach, right? And, I, you know, after he asked a question and, you know, the coach was just like, eh, you know, that doesn't really move me. Like, I know what they're trying to do right there, trying to get on my good side in that aspect. Well, he's trying to get on that coach's good side. So, eh, you know, but, you know, little things like that that they pay attention to, you know, are they good, really good questions that help further acknowledge and expand what, um, you know, further expand what the Jets are trying to do for you in this short period of time. And also, like, what do you learn in that film session that you could apply, apply the very next day? You know, really just them being able to see how much um, horsepower mentally these athletes have, um, and these prospects have. So I think that was the most important thing that did the women because Salah said uh, Tuesday, he said the film's the film. So you kind of know what these guys' strengths and weaknesses are. That's one thing that when I was sitting in the defensive back coach's room, um, the DB coaches always kept mentioning, yeah, I watch your film all the time. I watch your film all the time. I know what you do well. And we were putting you in certain these some of these positions because you don't do this well. We want to tell you react in, um, you know, a far set, you know, um, a live situation. So um, there's a lot of good that, you know, you take it from the senior bowl, but, you know, hopefully for their sake, they don't have to coach it, coach it anymore. Yeah, no, I did. Hopefully this is the last time for a long time that you're <laughs> kind of in that discussion or, uh, you know, near that top five. I, I had the same take, a lot of the same takeaways as you did as well. I just thought, you know, me and you both talked about there's certain guys that, you know, that were not showed up the right way in meetings and things of that nature. And, you know, you, mm-hmm. I don't know how many times I've, t- I said this probably about 10 people this week, like the NFL draft's been going on for 70 years and they look for the same things every year. And the fact mm-hmm. that guys are still not taking notes in meetings or falling asleep, nodding off or doing things right. like that. Like I just, it's frustrating to be honest with you because you know, this, the amount of exposure a lot of these guys have, yes, the Jets aren't taking a quarterback or things of that nature. So maybe it's not as important there, but you know, if you're a, you're a day two safety or day three safety or mm-hmm. uh, a tight end, like the Jets are, there's a real chance you end up on the Jets. And I know Ian Rappaport mentioned exactly. like, you know, the Jets, the Jets staff invest in their guys and, you know, they know probably guys on day three better than anybody just because of the way Sal likes to develop, uh, you know, those secondary guys late in the draft and linebackers and things. But um I thought the difference in the practice as well, the tempo a little bit, some of the drills the Lions practice was doing, um, very confusing. Uh, I just don't think you can evaluate a lot of stuff out of that. And um, I think it was, I don't remember who mentioned it down there. It was just like some bad teams stay bad for a while and you see it when, when they get down here and they coach this stuff and there's a reason they're bad. Um, I didn't get that with the Jets. Again, it's a different staff. It's not the Adam Gase years. They got to do it on the field, but I want to get into a couple of players. Um, you know, you mentioned putting guys in different situations. Zion Johnson's a guy and Trevor Penning are both linemen that stood out that have been linked with the Jets. Um, both guys moved around on the offensive line, guard, tackle, center, depending upon, um, you know, the guy. I'm, I'm sure the Jets are trying to get them in different positions to evaluate them. Were there any guys that stood out to you um, overall? I know you wrote about some of them. Is there any guys that stood out to you overall that either you weren't expecting to be, look as good or guys that lived up to the hype, you know, going into the senior bowl? Uh, Christian Watkins, I didn't know who that was until you mentioned him to me like a week before. Um, and he played, he played really well. I mean, he was the best receiver out there by a wide margin. Um, you know, he's six foot four. He's, he's, he's built kind of similar to AJ Green slash, I'm trying to remember the guy that played for the Steelers that went, that came from Clemson. Um, I'm trying to remember him. I can't, not, Mike Wa- not, Mike, not Mike Wallace. 
Nah, um, I forgot his name. I'm, I had it, but now it, it's just slipping me. I think I may, might even I wrote it in one of my stories. But anywho, but you know that six foot four, lanky might not be like six foot four, two thirty, two twenty five, but you know he's still six foot four, and he has he she was shifty at the line. He Martavis, Martavis Bryant. Martavis Bryant. There we go. Yes, yes. In a built, you know, um, standpoint. He can fly. He's really fast. There are some times when he's getting behind some of the defensive backs, and you know, they're just some underthrown balls. And we talk about the quarterbacks at the senior bowl because you know most of them are kind of underwhelming. But you know, there's times when he was getting behind guys with, with with ease, beating guys off the line, where he's going inside or outside, where he's going to slam, where he's going to, and even when he would run a go route and like the DB would have good position on him over the top, quarterback throw a back shoulder fade. He has the body control to turn around and still you know catch it and get both feet in bounce. So. Christian Watkins, I was thoroughly uh, impressed with him. Jeremy Rucker, the tight end. Um, obviously, you know, training, we've talked a lot about training McBride, but, you know, having actually like done some more film study on uh, Garrett Wilson and Christian uh, Alave, and then obviously you see why Jeremy Rucker didn't get as much receiving production. It's kind of hard when you've got two first round, three first round receivers on a roster. Um, but, you know, he, he, he showed me something, you know, in terms of um, him being out of block. His route running was better than I would have expected, has good hands. Um, so that's something that, you know, you you get, you'll be able to to plug and play. Um, obviously, we, we knew about Trey McBride as a receiver, as a receiver. He gets the job done. His routes can still improve, but he's gonna be training with Elijah Moore's trainer, um, Global Feet, you know, um, Tevin Allen. So his routes are gonna be <laughs> are gonna be fantastic by like year three of the NFL. By the time, you know, he's a bet in the NFL because he has a pretty good trend. Like, t- like I swear by Tevin Allen. Tevin Allen knows what the hell he's doing. Um, he could, you know, do some work. You know, he could improve his blocking. His blocking. Uh, Ron Middleton did mention that out of all the tight ends at the Senior Bowl, his well, in now on the national team, he uh, McBride is the one that has the most work to be done. But the efforts there, the strengths there, just need to fix his uh, technique a little bit. Yeah, I was just going to say, I think he stood out as like an effort guy, more as like Rucker. It looked like naturally. I mean, look, I, I was, I'm very high on Jeremy Rucker, and it's, it's not because he's a Jets fan growing up and he's from Long Island. It'd be a cool story. It's, he's 6'5, 250, and like is pretty significantly the biggest tight end there and has that like yep. natural tight end build. Um, Isaiah likely is a guy that stood out to me. I know um, we talked about it a little bit. No one really mentioned him this, this entire process so far. And then Daniel Jeremiah, Thurman is top 50. Um, and it sounds like the Jets building has a little bit of interest in them. And all of a sudden, yeah, you know, when those yeah. things start to happen, you go, you kind of scratch your head and go, mm, okay, that's interesting. Like, right. you know, obviously we know DJ is very close. Well, you, but also Daniel Jeremiah is very close with, with the Jets and Joe Douglas. Um, right. I know there's a lot of Trevor Penning buzz. I thought Trevor Penning kind of had a weird week. Um, there were some really good highs and I thought it was versatility to play all over. And I thought the nastiness is a real thing. And I actually do think that is something like the Jets could use a few more, like, I'd take a couple personal foul penalties knowing like you can't hit my quarterback late and that's type of stuff. You don't want to get too crazy with it. I think he had 16 personal fouls last year, which is insanity in a 12 game season. Um, right. But he definitely had his athleticism is not, he plays kind of high and it's doesn't, he's not a great athlete. I was, Zion was really impressive to me. I thought, you know, as a guy long-term, if the Jets drafted him, you know, at 35, if he fell there or they trade up a couple of picks, you know, maybe he stays at right guard this year and next year and moves to center when Connor McGovern moves on. Um, Christian Watson, you mentioned, I thought Jalen Petrie, um, 
you know, I know in film, he wasn't quite as impressive as he was live, but I thought like, I don't know, that dude is tough. Like I, I like the fact that he was undersized. He wants to come up and hit people. He's a good athlete. Um, Kobe Bryant, I thought was really patient and good hips. And I thought he was like able, he's a good, like he mentally, I thought he was really strong. I don't think he's like a tier one athlete, which is nah, kind of, which is kind of, yes, he's a fit, but also you kind of already have that in a guy like Bryce Hall, where like, he's more of a mental, like he's like a strong, like, you know, strong mentally he's got good intangibles, but not an elite level athlete. So I'm not sure that he's a great fit there. I was really like intrigued with Tariq Woolen. Like, look, <laughs> he got burned a couple of times and he won a couple reps, but a corner that's six three two oh five is going to run in the four twos. That doesn't, that's like, you're made in a lab. Like you're literally, that's, that doesn't, why are you not playing receiver? First of all, right, right, um, right, right. so maybe that's a, that's something to be a little bit concerned about and he's going to be a later pick, but uh, maybe that's a guy that, you know, that solid comes from that Seattle, uh, San Francisco longer corner realm. If the Justin, they could develop him. He's a special athlete. Um, was there anybody outside of the quarterbacks because the quarterbacks were objectively pretty awful. Um, Right. Was there anybody that you were expecting? You're like, I'm really excited to watch this guy. And then he was just kind of like, eh. Jimmy Johnson's the other guy. I went off to talk. Everyone's talked about him. He's going to be a top 20 pick now. Right. You know, he's kind of probably too high at 10, too low at 35. So I don't want to spend too much time on him either. Um, no, I mean, there's nobody that, you know, I was, you know, I mean, I thought of a quarterback that I was, all right, I want to see something. You know, I didn't really see much. Like Kenny Pickett, like I thought, um, you know, people were billing him as Q, a QB1. And, you know, I mean, like, I, I see, like, he'd be NFL starter. But if I'm a team that's trying to build for the future, I'd rather go with Malik Willis because, like, of the traits. I think now we've all seen as everything progressed that you it's better to take chances on traits because, I mean, if you go with the, the winner guy and the high-production guy who's limited with traits, limited in terms of physical raw ability, um, they'll hit the ceiling a lot quicker. And then you might be stuck versus if you have a guy like Malik Willis who can create out a structure and has a big arm and it's fun, but he needs a lot of refinement. Um, you know, there is more, there's more payoff with that than, you know, basically winning with a guy that he, he does a lot of things at like a B level, which, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, I mean, Mac Jones won a lot of games this year. Um, Make her cousins consistently puts up good numbers. So I mean, you can still get it. You can still get the job done with those type of guys. So, but can't pick him. I mean, like I still think he's going to first round, but I thought I'll see more. I mean, he was just fine, which is I mean, that's not the end. That's not the end of the world. But it, you know, kind of is what it is. So yeah, the hand size is a real thing, and I think people um, look. Roger McCreer is a guy that I was disappointed his arms were as short as they were. I thought like he's probably not a fit for the Jets just because the Jets play a lot more zone than they do man. And McCreer, he's like. I think he's the best man corner probably in the draft of just pure, like he just is a great corner. He just, he's short arms. He doesn't play zone. So he's realistically not going to be a fit here. Um, you know, with the jets other than that, yeah. Kenny Pickett's hand size. Uh, he's a full inch smaller hands than Joe Burrow who has the smallest hands in the NFL um, from a store quarterback position. And like, it's, that, that's a real thing for guys throwing in the cold, throwing in 40, 50 degree weather in November is not the same as Pittsburgh, for example, in middle of January and snow, um, you gotta be able to grip the football. Right. I think if there's anybody else that stood out to me, um, a lot of the interior defensive line guys stood out. Um, obviously, the Jets, you know, no one wants to hear about interior defensive line. Perry and Winfrey, thought was really impressive. Travis Jones. Yeah, he was. UConn had a good week. Um, Devondre Wyatt, uh, I mean, he's a stud. Like, that Georgia defensive line, we were talking about this last night. They're, they're ridiculous. Now, the Jets are, again, 
they'd have to solve a lot of other issues to get one of those guys at realistically at 35 or 38 and be good with it. Um, but those guys are legit, like legit good dudes um, in terms of football. And in terms of um, Trey McBride, the one other thing I want to hit on, there's, there's like, I like people to ease up on the, Oh, is Trey McBride going to be a middle of the first round guy? Like there's evaluators nah. who I respect a lot that don't even think any of these guys are top 50 players. Um, McBride, right. realist, you know, tight ends, not quite as valuable. I play tight end. I love tight ends. It's not quite as valuable as receiver and corner and edge and these other positions um, and tackle. Right. So just, I would be cautious of like not overrating just because he is probably tight end one, not freaking out that, you know, he's not the first pick in the, every mock draft for the jets. Um, kind of want to transition a little bit to four and 10, right? Those are obviously, you know, we'll hit on a little free agency, but four and 10 are obviously the most important things in everyone's mind right now, going into the combine in a couple of weeks and, at four, it kind of seems like it's either going to be offensive line. You know, Evan Neal is probably going one. It's either going to be Kavion, Kavion Thibodeau or Kavion Thibodeau, Icky Aquanu, maybe a Charles Cross sleep slips in there um, at, at tackle. And then, um, you know, at 10, there's kind of a wide debate of a Hamilton, Stingley, and then you get to the receivers, um, you know, in London, Wilson and Burks. I want to hit on two things. One, what do you think is a bigger priority for the Jets right now? Um, granted, with the Mackay Becton stuff which we can hit on after this. And then at receiver, I know you've broke, you broke it down pretty well. You've been breaking down a lot of these guys film. What either stands out for these three guys or what do you think is the difference and why you like one versus maybe the others? Um, so when it comes to that fourth pick, um, I mean, came on the tip of those there, you take them and you don't think twice, you live whatever the results are going to be because for Robert Sala's defense to work, obviously he has to be able to get pressure with four. Um, so I think no matter what, if he's there, you take him. Now, if he's not there, then I guess you can go off with the tackle because of my guy Becker situation. But it's just tricky though, because if you if you go, okay, let us let, think two scenarios. First scenario, the scenario that's hopeful. Let's say you go off with the tackle and Makai comes back. Makai plays well, let's see moving like the right tackle or something like that. And George Fant continues to play well. And yeah, he continues to play well. Now you just spent a fourth, you know, spent the fourth overall pick on a guard, you know, at that point, right? You're, yes, your offensive line is going to be stout. It's going to be, it's going to be extremely talented. But you just spent the fourth overall pick on a guard, um, you know. I mean, I mean, there is also the situation where Makai doesn't get healthy, you know, he doesn't get back right, he doesn't snap back, and you know, you have that insurance policy, so it's kind of like, are you going to use a fourth overall pick for insurance or? Are you going to use it to help bolster a defense that was ranked in the bottom of so many categories? And this is all contingent of if Kayvon's there or not, right? Because Kayvon's not there. I mean, I can't really I can't really argue, like, okay, going offensive tackle. I can't debate, like, you going offensive tackle. I mean, all right, I respect that and I understand. I see the vision. Like, I don't really see any corners that work for the overall pick. Um, I don't see, I mean, I don't see another edge that's worth the fourth overall pick. So I understand that, you know, I'm just thinking like of the, the scenario because there is a good chance that Makai comes back and he's good. You know, he's healthy. He has his mind right. For me, a lot of it with Makai is mental. It's not really physical. It's just all of his mental maturity things. He got to grow up just a little bit. Um, but I mean, the talent is immense. Um, I'm not as worried about his weight situation now that he has a nutritionist. And I think he understands that he has to, 
Now he's where it gets out of control because he does play offensive tackle. So, like, he's going to be a big man regardless. But, like, manage it and make sure that it's where it needs to be. Um, so I do think that there's a chance that Makai can come back and be 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 a stud regardless. Um, so we'll see. I think, you know, if Kayvon's there, you go Kayvon. But if not, you go off as a tackle. It just, you know, when we look further down the line, it could be a situation where Fan played really well and, you know, Makai is looking good again. And, you know, you, you could have paid for a right guard. You know what I'm saying? You could have went for agency and got one. And, you know, a lot of the draft talk is kind of, I won't use the phrase pointless, but a lot of it has a lot of unknown variables because uh, we don't know what's going to happen in free agency. You know, I know the Jets are, I mean, eventually they're going to come up with their plan for how they're going to attack free agency. So a lot of draft stuff um, changes. It's just really fluid. Now going to receivers, um, yeah, so I have Drake, number one, Drake London from USC as my as number, receiver number one for me. Uh, number two, I think I'll put Garrett Wilson and then Burks will be three. But I think all three should be able to have success in the NFL. Um, I like London the most for the Jets because he gives them something that they don't have. Like with Garrett Wilson and Elijah, you kind of, it's kind of, the skill set's kind of redundant, which is fine because it's good, a really good skill set. Um, Elijah's a little bit faster, but Wilson's a little bit bigger. But their play style is basically identical. Um, Corey, you know, he's basically a, a possession receiver, but he's not like a big body, throw, ju- you know, jump ball, contest catch type of guy. Um, he's more possession, tries to get open, you know, tries to get open with get open with through separation. Um, but London can make catches regardless of if he's open or not, because he's six foot five and can high point the ball. And I think a lot of us forget that. A lot of Wilson's success at BYU was being able to throw, throw jump balls. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. To guys that were like six foot three, six foot four, who could just moss certain defenders. Um, and he just didn't have that this year. You know, like Corey, that's not really his game. London, I won't say he's a full package because he, he's not like a burner, but I mean, he can create. I mean, people are talking about he doesn't he doesn't separate. There's some plays where he doesn't separate, but you can find out every single receiver that there's plays where they don't separate. Um, but like when he runs inside routes, he can keep and you're pressing him, he can really bake you off the line. Like I, I, there are plays against Arizona, Colorado, Notre Dame, where when he had an inside release, he could really bake you. Now when he goes outside releases, he's really just trying to get good position. So when you know when the ball's thrown in his direction. He can then separate with his hands. Um, I was asking a coach, I mean, a Jets coach about that. Like, when it comes to big, big body guys, what's the concern with that when you're in separation? He added that, yo, you can separate with your hands too. Like, if you're running a go route and the DB is side by side with you, but the quarterback feels exact, throws it at a, you know, throws it high, you can high point the, um, Drake Glenn can high point that, and that is separation, you know, because the DB can't reach that because average DB is about like, what, five? 11 ish you know there's not that many six foot two six foot three corners 
that that start a lot of games in the NFL anymore. I know we had that wave when Richard Sherman was playing well. People trying to find that, but there's not like a, a large majority of that. Um, you know, and he can give you he can produce run after catch too. Like there's plays with that because they use him a lot of RPOs, a lot of screen games, but that's not really all of his game. You know, um, is he a burner that can get down the field like Trey, uh, like Burks from Arkansas? No, nah, Burks is a little bit fast. It's a little bit faster. Um, I think Burks will probably go for three. I like Wilson and Garrett Wilson from Ohio State because, you know, he basically I, – I think he has the highest floor. I think he's going to walk in and be an 800-yard receiving guy year one, barring something crazy happening. And I think at the at the baseline, he's going to get you 800, period. You know, going to get you about eight touchdowns because his route running, he's a, he's a route technician. Um, he gets in and out of the break smoothly. Um, and he can kind of take up um, up top a little bit, and he can he can since he's athletic enough, you know he he can get some of those jump balls. That's not really like you don't want to allow him for that, but he can do that. We've seen play like that, like the play against Clemson, where he was able to make um, a play like that. And I saw I think I forgot which team they were playing. It might have been Michigan. I think it was Michigan where he made a contested catch in the end zone um, for a touchdown. Um, you know he 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 knows how to really set DBs up with with his quickness. He's able to get in and out of his breaks with, with ease. I mean, good luck pressing him at the line. Like, there's so many plays when I watch Garrett Wilson where, like, when he breaks down, the DB is, like, three yards away from him. Like, he could be running a he could be running a go route and it's throttled down to a curl, and that DB is, like, three yards off of him. He's good with his hands um, at the top of routes, too. Man, he, he's good. And with Burks, I like Burks a lot, too, um, because he's a freak of nature to an extent, like he has a lot of physical traits that make you go, okay, there's something there. Um, my only trepidation is a lot of his reduction was scheme. You know, like you didn't really see much of a route tree from him. And a lot of it was out of the slot. Now there are plays when he's outside and he'll, he'll, he'll take the top off and crank up the band. But, um, you know, a lot of his reduction was um, he'll be in the backfield and, you know, they'll send him on a wheel route out the backfield and he'll catch it, you know, he'll catch it down the sideline you know, down the scene, there's plays where, um, you know, I, I, one of his touchdowns, I remember it was like a jump pass with K.J. Jefferson. Um, but there's plays where, you know, he'll run a post down the field and he's wide open, touchdown, or he'll run a post down the middle and it'll be a jump ball. He'll get that. Or like the play against Alabama where he runs off the, you know, he's just run a go route and there's a play like that. run a go route and um, God, K.J. Jefferson throws him the jump ball and he catches that. You know, two guys over him, and then another play where he, like, he comes off the line, and the DB is in front of him, has good position, but KJ throws a back shoulder, he catches it, and then he's able to turn it upfield for a touchdown. So, like with with Burks, I think he's the most dynamic, and I think he has the highest ceiling. Um, without question, I was talking to uh, Crocky about about Burks. You know, just actually, just you know, some of the things where you know you don't really see where with him you have to imagine more what he can be, where like London. And Wilson, you can already okay. This is what like uh, this is gonna transfer pretty pretty seamlessly. First, you kind of got a more imaginary and more of that Debo Samuel type of role. Um, but I was like, and Crocky, like yo, like when, when you don't really see much of a route tree, he always has free releases. So well, the way he wins is just how he wins, and since he's so physically imposing and dominant, that that will be able to translate within itself. Um, you're gonna need an offensive coordinator that can utilize him correctly. So, you know, I know we all believe that Michael Ford would know how to would know how to utilize it correctly. Um, 
but yeah, you know, I'm gonna dive into more uh, 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 Dobson um, later on today because I'm not writing that today. But I'm gonna dive, dive some more into Dobson, more Wilson because like I've seen what I need to see from London. Like I've seen what I need to see. Uh, he's my receiver number one. But yeah, yeah. So I'm a, I'm on a lot of the same page as you. I think the thing Burks's biggest. Um, downside right now it's just like his he's a little bit raw as a route runner um he's yeah. not asked to do a whole lot and it's weird that a lot of the comparisons with jake london's dental mims and in reality it's a lot more of burks's dental mims in the sense of like really raw right. natural speed big body and like burks is a far better player it's not about that it's just the comps, yeah, yeah, are, the yeah, comps yeah. are a little weird um a lot of people like if you watch jake london you mentioned his outside releases and things he does a really good job of restacking guys he'll get by you and then kind of almost like let you run up his hip and then create separation at the last second. Um, no one really talks about when it comes to Drake London that Keaton Slovis has one of the weaker arms in college football. And a lot right. of the balls are thrown that way because like they have to, like there's no other way to complete a pass. Um, right. The Jets use Drake London played almost, I think 82% of his snaps out of the slot in 2020, super productive, played almost 92% outside in 2021. Obviously it was, inc- was going to win the Blitnikoff running away you get 80 for a thousand like nine touchdowns in eight games um so as someone that watches usc uh, trust me like he's legit and I, i'm not worried about the separation side of things he'll probably put on another no, 10 or 15 not. not another 10 or 15 pounds going to the nfl it's a lot more brandon marshall and mike evans in the sense of yeah it's creating separation with your body but also being really tough to bring down after the catch I like yep. Burks again. I like Burks a lot. If the Jets go with him, that's great. He's played a lot of slot as well. He can use you know use him as a running back. You put him in motion. You run pony with him and Michael Carter and all that type of stuff's great. Um, again, I just like London a little bit better. And then Garrett Wilson's tough just because, as you mentioned, like Wilson's got a lot of the same measurables as Ceedee Lamb. He's a little bit smaller, but it's like that guy that's is really fast but still going to run. Like Garrett Wilson's going to run mid four fives and everyone like he separates incredibly well because he's so shifty side to side and really quick and. It's just hard if you're going to not – like, if you invested two t- two in two receiving tight ends and then you took Garrett Wilson, it makes more sense, right? Because you're going to have smaller guys and more in Wilson. Not saying everyone needs right. to be bigger or whatever, but I just – I don't know. I feel like London fits something that they just tr- like really don't have. And you could, you know, use Elijah outside then. You could put him in the, – the good thing is all three guys, if they take any of those three, have experience outside and inside. And Elijah yeah. can do that. Corey can do that. I think that it opens up that offense a lot. I think there is a drop off for me after those three guys. I think, yes, Jahan Dotson. Jahan Dotson's very Elijah Moore-esque. Like he's, yeah. you know, they're, they're, they're twenty. They're twenty. They're. I just that doesn't make a, it doesn't make sense. You don't want to doubling up on those guys as good as they are. It doesn't. It's not gonna make a lot of sense if you don't. You know, Jamison Williams is a guy that's incredibly dynamic, but he's a guy that oh, like. Yeah. I don't know how he's getting past the Raiders. Uh, I think it's like 22, right? Like it just makes sense. That's the one thing missing in their offense and things like that. The receiver position is super interesting. I think, um, you know, I don't know that you can really wait till round two to, to get a receiver. Maybe you can, maybe you trade for a guy or you sign someone and then you can do that and you get a Christian Watson in round three or, a, you know, they get right. a very quickness guy and a Calvin Austin in round five or six. Yeah, that makes sense. But go get, go get weapons and help your, help your quarterback and find out exactly what you have um and zach wilson because again the clock's ticking now like rookie yeah, year no. on, and yes there's a lot of optimism that he didn't turn the ball over at the end of the year i think it's a bit overblown i thought zach looked better but like he didn't he stopped doing what made him really good so um right. there's that but you yeah, know they've got pieces on both sides of the ball as a core group but they need to add serious talent all over the ball in terms of 
well, let's change just the free agency and the trade market just a little bit. Um, there's a lot of different guys that are rumored right now. Realistically, 50% won't even make it to free agency. The other, some of the other guys will go to, you know, go to contenders and hold out to try to go get a ring, which always happens, especially the third contract guys, not the second contract ones. Like a Chandler Jones would be great on a two-year, $40 million deal. Chandler Jones is probably going to go chase a ring, which he should. Right. There's guys that have been kind of consistently linked, um, especially tight end safety are the two, you know, two positions where I think they'll invest at least, you know, one bigger money contract. Don Schultz may, may, may or may not make it. You're very familiar with Mike Gusecki, who Jets fans seem oh, to really brother. want. And I, I don't really – I'm not quite sure why. I think watching him in person, like, he's just another receiver. He's not going to block at all. So I'd rather draft pay another receiver. Um, right. And at the safety position, you got Marcus Williams, Justin Reed. There are two guys that stand out. Jesse Bates is likely not making it to free agency. If he does, you obviously pay him. Are there any guys that you have your, your eye on so far, especially in those two position groups that you go – I either think they could go after this guy or if this was me as GM, excluding Devontae Adams. I have an article coming out today. Yes, they should pay Devontae Adams. If it's not realistic, don't get your hopes up. I'm just saying, yes, you give the best receiver in football the bag. Anyways, is there any guys, especially tight end safety, you would look at and you go, or even running back, Melvin Gordon's a guy that comes up that you go, yeah, I'm interested in seeing what they could do there. Oh, yeah, I mean, um, I mean I'm hearing Darren Schultz um, probably get probably like be tagged or will probably stay in Dallas regardless. Um yeah man I think uh Diggs um Diggs out of Seattle. I know that I know that um Tony Oden coached him in, in, in Detroit actually he coached him in Detroit when I think that's when he was playing corner. Um obviously now he plays safety. Um but you know that that's when I'm like oh, yeah he'd be because they they need obviously they need two safeties. You know they you know, they don't view Ashton Davis as a starter. Like, you know, they, I think they view him as more like a piece that can come in situationally, someone goes down, he knows the system, he'll be serviceable, but they don't view him as a starter. Um, so obviously they didn't need two safeties. So um, obviously Marcus Williams, um, I think everybody knows that they like him. And if he gets a free agency market, I expect them to try to go get him. Um, because I do know that safety is very—I mean, it's—it's it's pretty important in this in this scheme. Obviously, every position is, but that—that's pretty important. Um, tight end. I don't know why people mention Mike Gusecki. Like that, that just goes to show you like how. And it, it's understandable why people don't watch teams outside of their team. For the most part, that's like those teams are like Kansas City or the playoffs. And it just goes to show you how little people pay attention to like teams outside of their teams. Like Mike Gusecki will be an awful fit for the Jets. Like he might. With Mike McDaniel's being the head coach of the Dolphins, he might not even return as a, a, a he might not return in Miami because like he doesn't fit what Mike McDaniel needs from a tight end, a guy that can obviously be a threat in the pass game, but can actually yeah. Walk. Everyone's everyone's telling me Evan Ingram sucks, which again I understand he's it's aesthetically there's a lot of drops and he's always hurt, but Evan Ingram made the Pro Bowl two years ago. Um, right. as the same exact player Mike Gusecki is, and then he's a better right. athlete than Mike Gusecki. So I'm kind of confused why people want Mike Gusecki after watching him have 17 offensive pass interference penalties against, <laughs> against the Jets and Jason Pinnock. By the way, I thought I had saw this video before as we were recording this, and someone keeps asking me to post videos of Zach Wilson dunking. So that guy's like low-key kind of has bunnies. This isn't bad. That's not bad stuff. Um, like, I was not expecting that, but um, yeah, no, I, the, the tight end stuff is interesting. I do think this is a good class where they could go, you know, they could go a guy in round two and a guy in round five, and they could just double right. up the room um, and something of that nature. 
want to hit on a couple of other things here, um, you know, before, uh, before we let you go, obviously there's a lot of, a lot of talk right now about cornerback specifically, and it's important. And then I'll get to the most important position groups um, they need to add. I'm of the opinion, and I know we share this opinion, cornerback's important that they need to add. Um, I don't think people yeah. – I think fans are higher on Bryce Hall than the Jets are. Actually, I know the fans are higher than on Bryce Yeah, without a doubt. Um, without a doubt. I think that the Jets like Brandon Eccles more than fans do. And yeah. um, I do I think, think – like, I think they view him as equal. Yeah, and, th- and that's – you know, Bryce, you know, Brandon, look, Brandon Eccles had a similar season actually to Bryce Hall as a rookie and Brandon Eccles got to play a full season, which is important. He's obviously a better athlete, not as many pass breakups and things, but gave up less yards, was targeted less. The Jets, I think people, you know, like to point to that 49ers defense and kind of objectively leave out the fact that Richard Sherman was an all pro uh, mm-hmm. when it was the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. And then you look back to Seattle where Salah was as good as that linebacking group and D line was, they had, at the time, uh, you know, all pro Richard Sherman, all pro safeties. And uh, what's his name? Number 39. Huge dude. He was like 6'4". Oh, um, I, for, I know you're talking Brandon about Browner, talking Brandon Browner. Brandon Browner. And then he got – Brandon Browner got arrested like four times and got out of the league. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> but regardless, I think we we forget that how important secondary still is. Yes, you want to build up front. If you can get pressure with four, as we mentioned, you get Kayvon Thibodeau and – Carl Lawson, Q and JFM in a rotation with Rankins and, um, you know, whoever else, John Marshall and Bryce Huff in there. Like, that's a damn good top five defensive line. And now all of a sudden we're cooking and, like, it makes sense. It covers up a lot. Mm-hmm. Right. They do have to add to safety and corner pretty drastically. Like, they need to add at least two bodies at safety. They need, to, I think they need to add a number one corner, whether it's a Carlton Davis in free agency. J.C. Jackson doesn't feel realistic. Um, Carlton Davis nah. will probably get – I mean, uh, Carlton Davis will probably get tagged. So, he, again, is probably <laughs> not realistic either. But um, I was re-watching Derek Stingley film this morning. It's really hard to not fall in love when you watch Derek Stingley's film in 2019. Um, and then you watch 2020, 2021, the whole LSU program mailed it in. He got hurt. It was just, it's not pretty. People are really high on Sauce Gardner. Kyer Elam looks like he's going to fall into the second round. Booth, McCurry. How important do you think it is to add corner? And where would you probably put it on the list of like what's most important the Jets add in, uh, in 2022? Well, this offseason. Yeah, man, I got that in the top three, man. Like you, you're in the you're in the AFC. You're in the AFC actually. You're in the AFC where you gotta worry about Joe Burrow with Chase and Boyd and Higgins, Josh Allen with Stephon Diggs, Gabriel Davis. They bring back Cole Beasley or well, Isaiah McKinley. Um, you gotta worry about the Titans with AJ Brown, Julio Jones. You gotta worry about um. Chargers with Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. We'll see if they bring them back. Um, we'll see, you know, who who the, who the, who the Raiders add. Um, I mean, they're just – the AFC is loaded with young quarterbacks that also have, star, you know, 1,000 yards. Even, I mean, even like Lamar with Marquise Brown. Like Marquise Brown went for over 1,000 yards, and Lamar missed the last five games of the year. Um, I mean, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see what Bateman turns into. I just know that in today's NFL, for the most part, um, that, I mean, you can get away with, like, not having an elite corner, obviously, or even a good one. You just need, like, your front seven to be phenomenal. But just their front seven isn't phenomenal right now. Like, the, the, it is what it is. It's just, it's just not. Like, you have Quinnen, who's who's good. JFM, who's good. Um, we'll see they bring back Rankins. Um, who else? 
and I mean that that's about it for the most part. You know what I mean? Like they got to still add there, which of course, like that that edge adding to edge is above adding corner. You know, with no question about that. But like I I've talked to enough coaches on staff, defensive guys that have all mentioned that how much easier calling defenses get when you can limit and take away somebody's number one, right? Um, like it gets so much easier. They even mentioned like one guy gave me the scenario was like if you have let's say we have a a number one type corner, I can put my number one type corner on your number, on the team's number two, and then I can double their number one with, with taking help over the top. Now where are you going to throw the ball to, right? You know, like, it's going to cause that hitch. And Robert Fowler always mentioned, like, that hitch. And he says the hitch comes from coverage. When, when we make them hitch, then our D-line needs to come get them. So, like, rushing coverage go hand in hand. So I know why Jeff fans kind of minimize corner play. Is because they think higher about the cornerbacks. When in reality, like you look at all the, you can look at the film, look at the stats. Like the cornerback play was an exceeded expectations, but it still isn't good. I'll put it at like solid. Like I know for a fact they are super duper high on Michael Carter. Like they feel he's legit NFL starter. Like he's gonna turn into a, a stud. Like like they are uber duper like excited about him. But overall though, um, yeah, I think. I think the best case scenario, like some I think feel is if you can have like a Bryce Hall and Brandon Echoes and Isaiah Dunn and have them compete for that number two spot, you already got number one, you know? Um, and like my my thing is when it comes to that is how do you address it? Because the Jets have so many holes, right? Let's say like the D-line was good. The O-line was a little bit better. They just need like a few more pieces. Then it's relocated, you know, top two picks. All right, you know, maybe you could reach for Drake London. Get a number four, you get a quarterback number 10. Or maybe you go, you know, yeah, yeah, let's go with that scenario. You know what I'm saying? Or you add to that, you add to edge and you go corner with the 10th pick if you already had some shit. But it seems there's so many holes. It's like, you know, they did go four and 13 and they had the youngest team in the NFL. Like, you got to kind of be smart with how you allocate these premium um, assets, you know? Um, I know, yeah, man. It's 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 gonna be fascinating to see how they how they attack it because you know, again, like obviously based off of Salah's history and Joe Douglas' history, they rather go front to back. Some other teams are backwards; they'll go back to front, um, like the Dolphins, the Patriots. Like obviously, though, they have good edge rushers, but they want premier corners. Like that's their thing. Um, but yeah, man, I'm very I'm very intrigued by it because I mean, again, like. You know, you could be the Bengals and have, you know, fine cornerback play and still be able to get to where you get to. But they have really good safeties. Um, they have a really good scheme, and they have a guy that can get you 15 sacks, you know. But then, you know, we were told that pressures Sacks don't matter. Important. Sacks don't matter. Pressures are more important than sacks, you know. You get here, oh, you know, it's a good way to predict the future. You know how else I can predict the future? This dude got 15 sacks this year. I can predict that he can most likely get 10 again. So yeah, no, it's it's interesting. I, I was listening to a couple of things this morning, and while the Jets have have filled a lot of not a lot, they filled a good amount of needs in terms of what they did last year in the offseason and the draft, especially. And they're still kind of weak at every single important position. <laughs> like the their needs know. are all at the premium positions in the NFL: corner, wide receiver, edge, offensive tackle, and quarterback. They're obviously not drafting a quarterback, but the other four needs. Uh, the other four positions probably of biggest need outside of the tight ends or right guards are all 
they're literally all the most important things, uh, you know, possible on a football team in the NFL. So let's see what happens with the jets in terms of, you know, how they, how they go about it. Um, Again, I think I was kind of thinking about, you know, what you posed yesterday. I think receiver is the most important for them to add uh, edge and corner. And then I think, you know, right guard and right guard or tackle, depending upon what happens with Mekhi Becton and, um, you know, and safety and tight end are all really, really important. I just think that we're not that, like in terms of based on how the NFL values things and what the Jets are weak at corner edge and wide receiver are right, <laughs> right up there. So um, yeah, we'll yeah. see what happens there. Obviously, you know, a lot of stuff that's, you know, obviously coming up, any, any pieces you have coming up, you want to, uh, you, you want to hit on before, uh, before we get out of here. And then, you know, obviously we'll be back, you know, it's not like you're not going to be back on pod, but. Oh, I mean, I, I have a feature coming out on Jets cornerback coach, Tony Odom, who did a really good job with the group that he was given to work with that, you know, obviously they were all young and inexperienced, had, had talent, you know, but they just, you didn't play in NFL, you didn't play in NFL, you know, and for the most part, um, and he did a really good job. Cause again, like, we thought the cornerback position was going to be so bad that they were going to cost them games. And to be honest, I think the only game that you could legitimately be like, yeah, cornerback play cost them this game, maybe the, the, the first Dolphins game. Um, because, uh, you know, Isaiah. Here's some, here's some Isaiah, and Isaiah done. <laughs> nah, just because they didn't play that much that game. Well, he played, he played a lot, he played, but like that wasn't done. You know, that, that play to Matt Collins basically tr- turned the whole tide in the game. Um, and I mean, I can't. Th- I mean, I really can't think of any other games. Maybe yeah, the Falcons they, game. They were gonna lose to the Bills anyway, so that it's like not right, right, right. right. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they they did a fine job against Chase, but you know Higgins did go go off too. Um, but I wouldn't say that. I mean, they won that game, so yeah. you know. Um, so maybe the Falcons game, but like again, like they there weren't that many games that were lost because they're cornerbacks. Like there was way more games that lost because yo they couldn't stop a nosebleed in the run game, or like. You know, Zach the offense struggled, or you know, Zach threw four interceptions, or um, you know, Zach didn't have any help like the Carolina game. You know what I mean? Like, uh, there was a lot, you know, a lot of help in that game. But again, like there was a lot of concern going into the season, and the fact that we're like, okay, well, if they don't add to the corner position, they might be okay. They won't be good there. They won't even be. They might be okay. That just speaks to the job that Tony Oden did and will continue to do with this group. So I have a feature coming out on him. Um, expect to see the phrase Keloid mentioned a few times. Um, and, you know, I'm, there's quotes from Eccles, obviously Oden, Gidry, and I think Carter. So, um, yeah, that, 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 that's the piece I'm most looking forward to. And then I'll, I'm going to try to get some, draw, you know, try to pull some information out of some people about some players on the Jets so there we go yeah no well make sure you guys are tuned into that obviously anyone that follows me likely follows DJ or probably yells at both of us for tweeting factual information um <laughs> anyway, anyways obviously make sure you guys are you know tuned in I have an article coming out later today on you know who the Jets should go after free agency from a receiver perspective hint it's not a lot of people and it's one name and it's not realistic so um it's prefaced in the article about six different times Five for 130 for Devante. Call it a day. Give that Zach Cook. Um, anyways, we'll uh, we'll be back next week. I have a feature coming up with Calvin Austin, who's a prospect out of Memphis, probably one of the twitchier um side-to-side guys in the in the draft. He's a great replacement for Braxton Barrios when Braxton walks for 
$9 million a year. And Jets fans freak out about not paying him. And uh, yeah, we got a bunch of people coming up, obviously, uh, on the show. And we'll, uh, we'll catch you guys next time.